All right. Well, hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt, and we are here together to be able to help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith. Those roots are Jewish roots. We're going to get into just a little bit of those roots. Um, But we also want to provoke and share this good news with our Jewish people so that they can make sense of who Jesus is. Now I'm here with my old man, really old man. He's getting older every time we're here. Well, you know, I've got news for you. So are you. Yeah, that's all right. Well, here we are. Believe it or not, we've made it to episode number 25. Can you believe that? We've done this 25 times. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you count all the ones that we tried to do and then we had to delete, it's been like we're up over 100 probably. Don't tell them that. Yeah. Okay. No, it's been one take every single time. It's been fantastic. Yeah. We love it. Actually, we are having a really good time. Lots of fun. Uh, And one of the things that we really love to do is tell jokes. Do you have a joke? (laughs) No, nope. I don't have a joke. You don't? Do you have a joke? I do. I was ah. just trying to see what you're going to say. You should have seen the panic on his face just now. Yeah. Good. I need a laugh. Here's a laugh for you. And it has to do with Dr. Levine, which is funny because we actually know a Dr. Levine. It's not the same Dr. Levine, is it? No, it's yeah. not actually. Maybe it is. It's a story. You know, Dr. Levine, he opened up a medical office in, uh, in, in, the, in the little city of Brooklyn. Maybe you've heard of it. And his first patient was the town's great sage. His name was Yitzi Yankel. Yitzi Yankel. Yitzi Yankel. (laughs) I like it already. Yeah, we should name a dog that. (laughs) So Yitzi, he comes in and says, doctor, doctor, I hurt all over. And, And Dr. Levine says, well, that's not actually medically possible. Well, Yitzi, he's insistent. He says, but it's true. When I touch my leg, ouch, it hurts. When I touch my arm, ouch, it hurts. When I touch my head, ouch. Oy. It hurts. When I touch my chest, ouch, it really hurts. Oy. Now, Dr. Levine looks at him and he says, Yitzi Ankle, I know for a fact that your body is just fine. And he said, how could you possibly know such a thing, doctor? And the doctor looks at him and says, because your finger is broken. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. We'll be here all episode. That alone will get them to come back for number 26. (laughs) Pretty good stuff. All right. You ready? Okay. Deep dive. We're going to cover a lot here, and uh, we'll see. Uh, We just game planned it, and uh, I think we got something going on here. Where we last left off was the exodus out of Egypt. And if you fast forward through the story, Israel, they wander around. They should have got in there in a year or two into that promised land, but they didn't. They were turned around. No, there was a problem, and that's another whole story by itself. Yeah, we can't get into that. So for 40 years, they wander, but eventually they finally do get in. That generation actually dies off. The next generation is the one that gets in, and now they are living in the promised land. There's a lot of battles and all of that, and eventually they need to have a little bit of rulership, and they need some help with that, so they have the judges, and then after the judges, we have... After the judges, we have the kings. Yes, and we, we have, have Saul. Saul is the king. We have Saul. We have David. And then we, we have, have Solomon. Solomon, right? So that's what we call yeah. the United Kingdom of Israel. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the kingdom is divided. Yeah, it didn't take long, right? Into 40, 40, and 40, 120 yeah. years, and then boom, gone. North and the south. and uh, Yeah, and then that didn't last all that long, north no. and south. So. Uh, the northern kingdom uh, is taken into captivity. The southern kingdom kingdom is eventually taken into captivity by Babylon. But there's this promise that the the seed will come, that there will be a ruler and he will come from the line of David. And this is problematic because there is no more 
David. Where where is David in his line? I mean, Israel is dispersed. They are in captivity. How are they ever going to come out of this? Right. David's line is there, just the nation isn't there. The, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. right. That's actually theologically correct. Thank okay. you for that. I appreciate yeah. that, that gentle <laughs> correction. And then we get to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah says this. This is verse 1. And I, I want you to like just out of the ashes, right? Because they've been trampled and there's really like nothing left as far as the nation goes. But it says, then a shoot will spring from the stem or from the root or from the stump of Jesse. Jesse being David's father, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And it doesn't just stop there. There's a couple other verses, right? Okay, so and after that, in verse 10, we have uh, the word says, in that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. So this is a foreshadowing, right? This is the Old Testament, the first act, and it's it's pushing towards this narrative that, that something is going to spring forth. And so we have the rest of the story that goes and we're waiting and we're waiting. And we have what we call the 400 years of waiting. Some people call it the, the 400 years of silence, although I think God was still certainly at work, but we don't have his voice necessarily coming through. And then we fast forward all the way to the gospels and then the entrance. And so that takes us to John. Yeah. Yochanan. Yes. In the New Testament, and that would be, we are, you can hear even flipping the pages. Right in the beginning, the first chapter. Yeah. And so we get to John chapter one, and there's some good stuff in there. John has in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. God becomes flesh. And he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. And, and you have this sense, right? We had the tabernacle. The tabernacle is filled with the glory of God. And then after the tabernacle, we have the temple and the temple is filled with the glory of God. And then the glory of God leaves. Yeah. And we have this exodus. There's another exodus, right? Well, it's interesting when he left, when the glory of God left the temple in Jerusalem, he went out from the Holy of Holies to the threshold, uh, I believe out the Eastern Gate, and then to the Mount of Olives, and then left completely. And that took a period of a, probably about two, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, what is interesting, did you make the point of Yeshua and his coming and leaving? No, I don't think I did. Not yet. If I did, I forgot already. <laughs> Because you, you certainly forgot. Well, in that, uh, in that last Passover, Yeshua, I believe, took that same route, probably went out through the eastern gate, down the slope, across the brook Kidron, and up the Mount of Olives. Yeah. I was going to save that for the end, but that's good. No. Okay. That's all right. You could say it again. All right. I, yeah. I probably will, because I'll yeah. probably ask you in about 15 minutes, did we say that? And then we'll say no. <laughs> so all of a sudden, we have Jesus, who is God, who appears, and 
And we have this scene that takes place uh, in John 129. Um, and we have John the Immerser, or John the Baptist, as many of you may know him. And he is immersing people at the Jordan. And it says the next day he saw Jesus coming to him. And he says something very interesting. Yeah. He doesn't say, behold, look, there's my dog, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He says, There's behold, my cousin. There's my cousin. He could have said that too. But in fact, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Talk about foreshadowing, right? Mm. Well, if you know the Old Testament, if you know that first act, then that all of a sudden, that Lamb all of a sudden brings up all kinds of implications. It's all kinds of act one uh, story narrative that's, that's now hyperlinked right there yeah. in that one spot. Yeah. And this is, this is just the beginning of Yeshua's ministry, his earthly ministry, uh, and he is recognized by John. He is immersed by John, and the Holy Spirit just descends upon him in the form of a dove, and Yeshua begins his, uh, his ministry, which ends at what we have been talking about uh, for quite a while here, uh, at the Passover. Yeah. Now, if you look in, in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus, and, and the Gospels say this, but uh, Jesus sends his disciples ahead. He says, hey, uh, I want you to go. You're going to follow. You're going to see a man in the city. He's carrying a jar. Follow him, and you're going to tell him, the owner of the house, uh, that my master wants to make preparations, and then they have a meal. And the meal that they're having is the Passover meal. Right. Uh, and this is something that has been instituted all the way back since Exodus chapter 12. Uh, this meal has now been celebrated and observed for almost, what, 1,500 well, I years. I think this, this year point. will be 3,468. Well, that's this year, but at, then, the time, at that at the time, time some, some 1,500 years. 1,500 years, yeah. right? The Jewish people have been remembering, and God says, I want you to remember, these are my mighty acts when I took you out of Egypt with an outstretched arm, a mighty arm. He says this over and over throughout the first act, and now they're celebrating this together. But Jesus says, I earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. Now, this is not the first Passover meal that Jesus has with his disciples. In fact, the book of John, he says what? This is probably the fourth one. Third or fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So they've done this before, but this one is going to be different. This one's going to be significant. And so that's where we want to take, we're, we're fast forwarding past, you know, his childhood and the escape to Egypt and coming back and all of the miracles and everything else. And what we really want to look at is this meal that, that Jesus is having on this Passover during this Passover season. And that's what's going on in Jerusalem at the time. And this is really commemorating uh, the historical part if we're going to put some context to it, of what took place in Egypt, isn't it? Yeah. So that they are recounting. And so, and they've been doing this, right? We, we want to take a night and we're going to do something that we've been doing. We always look back and we say, hey, God took us out. We, we were moving out of slavery and bondage and into freedom. Well, Jesus is taking this meal and he's saying, guess what? We're going to redo this. Um, it's not necessarily getting you out of Egypt. We're going to get you now out of your sin. A different this, kind of bondage. Different kind of bondage. And now we're moving into the freedom, but we need the, we need the Passover lamb. Of course, we just read, John said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What is interesting about the Passover lamb is that Israel was instructed specifically as to when to choose the lamb, what to do with the lamb, when the lamb was to be sacrificed. 
And so uh, what's happening here with this particular Passover with Yeshua, with Jesus, is he is now, I believe, presenting himself as that lamb. And what happened with the lamb in Egypt? Well, they had to take it, and, and you look at the Hebrew calendar, um, it, it says on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, uh, they would take a lamb and they would set it apart. They would watch it. It had to be a year old. It had to be without blemish. And right. they are watching it. And if everything's good, if it passes the test, on yeah. the 14th of Nisan, um, that lamb would be slaughtered. And there's something significant about that, uh, because if we're talking about the story in Jerusalem... At this point, we're talking about Yeshua is riding into Jer Jerusalem on a particular day. I know that uh, the church has referred to this day as Palm Sunday, right? but actually Yeshua, Jesus, is fulfilling something very specific and very important on the Hebrew calendar. He's fulfilling the commandment that Moses gave to the children of Israel, uh, and that commandment to Israel, all the way back in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, was that before the slaying of the firstborn, that 10th plague, they were to take a lamb from out of their flock. It could be a lamb or a goat, but they were to take out of their flock on the 10th day of Nisan, and they were to observe it, uh, as Matt said, for a period of time to make sure it was without spot, without blemish, that it was a perfect lamb that it could be sacrificed, because you could sacrifice nothing less than that which was perfect. And they watched it for how long? Well, it was four days, from the 10th to the 14th. Uh, maybe even just think, like I was, I was going back, um, this has always been, this is what, what sacrifice has always looked like. And I, I was just going to jump back here to Malachi, because what happens in Malachi is, is the priests get in trouble, right? They, they sin because why? There's one thing that they do that they did wrong. Um, it's, and, and God is bringing this. He says, I have loved you. And, and he's going through all of this. And it says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. I'm in Malachi 1.6. Um, then if I am a father, where's my honor? If I am a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. And the priests, they say, well, how have we despised your name? He said, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that, you say that the table of the Lord is to be despised. Basically, what we have going on here is that the priests in Malachi, they're, they're putting out offerings that are defiled. Yeah, God says, by offering, it says polluted food on my altar. Right. So yeah. he says, look, I, I demand a perfect sacrifice. I demand a perfect offering. And they were giving less than that. So there is this, this observance that takes yeah. place. You have to make sure that the yeah. lamb during the Passover was, was perfect. And the idea of that perfection comes to us from Exodus chapter 12, when Israel was commanded to take a lamb out of the flock and observe it for four days. But that took place on the 10th of Nisan. And we can't, we don't want to get into that too much. We gotta, we're just, we're leaving it there. It's a tease because that's what we're okay, gonna we'll, be doing next. We'll come back to it. We will come back to that. So Jesus is sitting in this upper room in the old city of Jerusalem. They're gathered and they are remembering the Exodus out of Egypt. 
and all of a sudden there's a paradigm that shifts here. Uh, I'm, I'm in Matthew 26. You can be wherever you want, but um, here's what I was thinking is Matthew 26, 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Um, we actually know that this is unleavened bread. It's this unleavened is bread. Yeah. Matzah. Matzah. And, and there's three significant pieces that we need to know about the unleavened bread. Number one, there's no leaven. In fact, if you look back in Matthew 26, 17, it says on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus. So they, this is in the context of the days of unleavened bread. Right. And the other thing is it's pierced and it's striped. Um, it, it has it has holes in it, and it, it, it as it bakes, there's these stripes that that occur on it. But it says Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, "Take, eat. This is my body." Hold on, this is not bread. He says, "This bread is my body." Yeah. Explain that. Well, it's interesting. Uh, it, it's it's not uh, the first time that he has referred to the bread as, as his body. In John chapter 6, uh, he refers to uh, himself as the bread of life. Uh, he was born in the town of Bethlehem. It's two Hebrew words, Beit Lechem, the house of bread. But now he's at the Passover, and he's doing something very familiar to the disciples. I mean, they had done this their whole lives every year. Uh, they would uh, take the bread and... Uh, they, they would take it as a part of the Passover. Now, something different is taking place. Wait, uh, one second, though. The, the original symbolism was, and it's explained again in Exodus, it was, it was not leavened. It didn't have time to rise because as they got out of Egypt, they right. didn't have time to let it rise, right? If you make yeah. bread, it, it, it ha the yeast has to work right. its way through. But this literally baked on their backs as they were getting out of Egypt. Right. That's how you have known the bread in the first act. I'm going to give it some new meaning for you. Yeah, and it's still unleavened. The bread he's taking is unleavened. And right. as he's referring to it as his body, it's unleavened bread. Of course, leaven in the scripture uh, is a symbol of sin. And of course, the Messiah uh, is sinless. Uh, but he took the bread and says he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the, to the disciples. And I always like to ask the question, it says there that he blessed it. What did he say when he blessed it? And... Uh, you know, you, you should hear some of the answers I get, you know, bless this bread to our body, you know, or whatever it is. Good bread, good meat. Thank you, Lord. Let's eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people don't have an idea, basically, of what he said. Now, I think you could ask most Jews of what he said when he blessed the bread. And they said, of course, we know what that is. That's a brucha. It's the blessing over the bread. Um, and that's, I believe, what Jesus did. He blessed it, and he would have said, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam hamotzi lechem min haaretz. It's a standard Jewish blessing over the bread. Blessed and, are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Yeah, and the interesting thing is God will bring forth bread for anybody who plants bread. But when Jesus says it, and he says, this is my body, you have a picture of the resurrection, I think, that's hidden in the blessing. You know, don't worry that you're going to see me crucified, that you're going to see me put to death. God is going to bring me forth from the earth. He's going to bring this bread forth from the earth. Yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing. And, th and this is a part of our Passover seders when we go out and we do Passover. But this is also, that blessing is part of a, a normal Orthodox Jewish Passover. They are literally saying the exact same 
hamotzi lechem min haaretz, right? They're saying that at, at their Seder, but they're missing that act to peace, yeah. that God will raise up the bread of life. Jesus in John 6 says, I am the bread of life, that God will raise up the bread of life from the earth. He will be resurrected, which is the final ending to the story, what we celebrate as the Feast of First Fruits, which we'll one day get into very soon. So not only do we have the bread, but we also have the cup. And this is where we traditionally in the church, we get communion, right? So that that's the explanation for the bread and it's, it's changing things. And then we, it says in verse 27, Matthew 26, 27, when he had taken a cup and he gave thanks, and there's even a blessing for that, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. Hold on. <laughs> This is different. Um, when we have when we have a Passover Seder, we have not just one cup, but we have four cups. Mm-hmm. And over time, they've actually been given meaning. There's a cup of sanctification. There's a cup of plagues. The third cup is the cup of redemption. redemption. And this is usually the one that we have after the meal. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is we didn't name it the cup of redemption. Our Jewish people named that the cup of redemption. And uh, it's interesting. Again, he says he took the cup and he gave thanks. And what did he say? Well, he said, Baruch HaTah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Peri HaGafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, the creator of the fruit of the vine. And, uh, you know, he already said, I am the true vine, you are the branches, and your job is to bring forth fruit. Stay connected and to me. Staying connected to him. That's the only way you can bring forth fruit. And so we have a lot of significant meaning hidden in these blessings. And the interesting thing is, um, if, I can, if I can say this, uh, the Gentile can't read it. And why can't the Gentile read it? Well, Matthew didn't write it out. Why didn't he write it out in there? Well, this is a Jewish book. You don't have to write Jewish blessings in Jewish books. The people say them all the time. I don't think Matthew ever had any idea that whole congregations of Gentiles would have been reading his gospel. I don't think he would have objected, but I think he probably would have said, well, I better write it out because I know them and they're not going to know it. So now you know, that is what Jesus said at that last Passover, and it has tremendous significant meaning. What is interesting is our people, our Jewish people, who we refer to as the act one of this two-act play people, they don't see this part. But the other interesting thing is, is that Christians don't see the first part of it, where this comes out of, and how the the two of them connect uh, so significantly here at this culminating point, at this last Passover Seder that Yeshua, Jesus, was celebrating with his disciples. Now it says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. What is this covenant that he is referring to? Well, to know that you got to go back to Jeremiah. This is in act one, Jeremiah 31, 31 says, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, it means all of Israel. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Always remember the remember Egypt, right? Always coming up. So I brought them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. The old covenant has been broken. I am establishing a new covenant, and covenants were always ratified in blood. In blood. 
So Jesus is lifting up this cup and he's saying that this is something new. This is something new, but he says also, I'm not drinking this one. He says, I'm not going to drink this one until I drink it with you new in the kingdom. Yeah, in verse 29, Matthew 26, 29, I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Yeah. So this is this is the scene in that upper room. And, and some of this has to be teased out just a bit. Um, but the Seder ends, this Last Supper ends, and, and Jesus... Jesus has left some of these things hanging, and the disciples absolutely don't get it. We, we see that throughout the Gospels. They, they really don't know what's coming up. Um, and it says, and I'll just finish this part in verse 30, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, right, they go out, out of the old city, out the eastern gate, they cross the Kidron. You have this beautiful picture of that Passover lamb of God crossing over the Kidron, which Josephus tells us historically that there was the blood coming from the temple from all of the Passover sacrifices that were taking place. And they end up in this little garden. You may know it as Gethsemane, but it was the place of the crushing. It was the place of the crushing. And that was the place where Jesus said, if you would let this cup pass from me, may it be your will. Yeah, in Luke 22, I think it's verse 39, he was sweating great drops of blood, as it were, and he says to his father, uh, if you are willing, uh, let this cup pass from me. And he got an answer right away to that, because there appeared an angel unto him, strengthening him, and if he was going to let him out of this deal, this covenant, uh, he wouldn't have needed any strengthening. Yeah, and, and this was the reason that he came in the first place, was to give his life as a ransom for many. That is really the context there in that in that second act. And what takes place, we know the story, and we're going to hit parts of that story up and coming, where we know that you know within 24 hours later, within 15, 18 hours later, that Jesus became that Passover lamb, that that atonement. It was his blood, just like that blood that covered the threshold and the post and the lintel of the door. Uh, that was that was that picture of of really the sacrificial lamb that covered as the angel of death comes over and passes over our lives because we have received him as our covering. Yeah. And one other thing we should mention uh, is that you know, we have been talking about the story of the Passover for a while now, and the bottom line thrust of the whole thing, uh, the admonition from God is that we remember. We remember what God did. Remember how he uh, rescued you. Remember Egypt. And you read through the entire Old Testament, and the story of Egypt comes up time and time again, whether it's in the Psalms, whether it's in the prophets, throughout the scriptures, uh, many, many times, and even in the New Testament, it comes through many times. And what is interesting about that is when Jesus was at this last Passover, this Passover that we celebrate every year as a remembrance of what God did uh, when he brought our people out of the land of Egypt, Jesus gives it a new meaning. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. That's good. So it's, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not forgetting 
what God did for us in Egypt, but there's a little paradigm shift, maybe a big paradigm shift. Yeah, massive. Yeah. And he says that uh, now, as often as you do this, as often as you celebrate this Passover, do it in remembrance of me. Here, here's where I think we should go from here. Uh, we've, we've told you what happens here towards the end of, of Jesus's life on earth before the crucifixion. In the next few podcasts, what we want to do is actually backtrack and ask the question, how did we get here? And we've teased it just a little bit with, uh, what we want to do is go back to Sunday. Go back to... That Palm Sunday, what uh, the church calls Palm Sunday, what we know is the 10th of Nisan. So we're going to go back there and really... Um, Wherever this actually drops, uh, this podcast that you're listening to right now, um, the next one that's going to drop is going to be on that 10th of Nissan. It's going to be on Palm Sunday. And here's the invitation for those of you who are listening. If you want to take part and follow, I know there's lots of reading plans, lots of things out there where you can walk through the life of Jesus during the Passion Week. Uh, we want to invite you to just tune into the podcast. Maybe you tell other people's, uh, people about it, um, but to just tune in, because what we're going to do is every day during this Passion Week, um, we're going to just give you another drop. Um, and we want to walk through what happened on starting on that Palm Sunday, on that 10th of Nisan, as the Lamb enters into Jerusalem he goes through scrutiny. It's the testing of the lamb. And there's going to be four different groups that are asking questions. They're testing Jesus to see if he truly is the lamb of God without blemish. Well, let me, let me say something about that. They're testing him. Uh, they want to upend him. That's right. But as it comes out, he proves himself to be spotless. Yeah. And, and the ending of it each time is, is unquestionable. And it, it's unmistakable. Yeah, you'll love it. Yeah. So we're, we're really excited. Those will be real short. We're not going to bog you down like we did with this one and all the other ones. Um, but those will be just a short devotional. We'll give you something to, hey, check out these passages and look, and it'll be part of your plan for uh, that Passion Week. We think it'll be a new perspective, a new way of looking at it, um, probably something that you haven't heard or really gone through uh, historically before. Yeah, it's a connection between what happened with the lamb in Egypt from the 10th of Nisan to the 14th of Nisan and what happened with Jesus from the 10th of Nisan to the 14th. And all the way up to that thing that you know as Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to give you some good reasons, even over the course of that week, why you shouldn't call it Easter. We're going to give you some new language for some of that and really look at all of that week through Jewish eyes. Because those are the only eyes that we got. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, well, so thanks for listening to us. Um, we we count it an honor, and uh, we love doing this. And so we thank you for listening to the Jewish Road Podcast for your support. Um, feel free to jump in and get involved. Uh, we're putting up blog posts. Uh, we have Passover seders. You can check out our on the road link on the website at thejewishroad.com, and. Uh, coming out real soon if it's not already out by now um, it should be uh, but we have a Passover course where you can actually we do a deep dive even deeper and we go through each of the different elements of a Passover Seder so whether or not we're able to come to your church or your small group this is something you can do for individual study or for study as a small group and you can walk through and we have 10 lessons that we have put together in there just as if we were going to take you through in our own home, except our own home. They don't they don't listen to us as much as that, <laughs> if only. Uh, but that's something that you can also engage in. So, thanks for listening. Surely there will be more. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim.
pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom.